Genesis chapter 28. And uh, on the third Tuesday of every month, uh, uh, our pastors, we try to get together for prayer and a group of us. And so there were seven of us together today and uh, just praying together. And, and it was interesting to hear um, across our, our lines of diversity we call our denominations or our fellowships, whatever you want to call it, but to hear everybody saying the same thing about what's happening, a sensing, a stirring, and in a way a shaking, uh, some uneasiness, some things that are happening uh, in the body of Christ all the way around, uh, kind of a shifting, a shaking, and, and, and then at the same time an awakening happening. And uh, so uh, it was interesting to hear all the different pastors, especially come together. And we talk about different things from time to time, but it was really cool the way that came together. Before we get into this, I want you to remember that, that, that we are the church. And uh, the church comes from a word ecclesia, which means called out. And so the church is made up of people who are called out. And part of our... Uh, the cultural push that we have today is we are trying to get Jesus called into the world and he's calling us out of the world. You understand that? So and, and, and we're more and more trying to bring culture in than try to be drawn out from culture. I don't know if that makes sense if I'm communicating it correctly, but we're to be the called out ones. And in that, we're called out of darkness and into light. Amen. And then we're supposed to be salt and light. And so we really have to live. And I said it a, a few weeks ago when we began that little series on first John and we'll pick it up next, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday we'll pick up on there. But John talking about walking the light as he is in the light. But our culture today shapes us so much that we just, it's so easy to get blended, everything to get blended. But when the, to be the church, we literally are called out, the called out one. And it refers to us just not even here on earth or in assembly, but the called out ones assembled here, but also in heaven. And so there's a distinction to us. So Genesis 28, we're going to begin in verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went down towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. I bet she wish he could have ordered my pillow. You've seen that commercial. <laughs> his pillow was a stone. Then he dreamed. If my head was on a rock, I'd have a dream too. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Wow, what a promise, amen? Look at verse 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you 
until I have done what I have spoken to you. Let me just pause right here and interject this. The reason Israel still exists today is because God hasn't finished what He spoke right here. You understand that Israel is also called Jacob. And God refers to the nation as one man. Just as you and I are referred to as the body of Christ, we are one in Christ. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, are one man in Jacob. And that and refers to them. So God is keeping His word to Jacob and in that to His seed. Then Jacob awoke from this place, and this is where we're talking about tonight, about the age of discernment and the day of awakening. And Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And the name of that city had been Luz previously. And Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way, that I am going to give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So again, here, Abraham's grandson still understands the principle of acknowledging God and honoring God with the tithe and with giving and worship and that. But that's not what we're talking about. But here, I want to go back to that verse that Jacob says there in verse 16. He awoke and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I just want to tell you that God is an omnipresent God. Amen? God is everywhere present. The challenge for us to, to stand by is that, and what people don't understand, although God is everywhere present, He is not everywhere manifest. There's a difference between presence and manifestation. So he, he's everywhere, but he's not seen everywhere. And the way God purposed to be seen is through his people. That's why the manifestation of the Spirit is given to you and I. God is present everywhere, but he's only manifest everywhere when men and women walk in agreement with him. And they allow his Spirit and the anointing of God upon their life to work through them, praise the Lord. So watch this. People in our world today are in search of answers for life. Who we are, where we came from, where are we going, where am I? What is my purpose in life? Is there really a life after death? Are we alone in the universe? They're looking anywhere and everywhere for answers to no avail. We're just looking everywhere. We have all these searches. We have amazing. We keep sending stuff out in space. We keep sending telescopes out there that like someday we're going to find, you know, God's house out there or something, you know. He's got to find the back 40 and there will be, you know, this other whatever. So we have endless debates, pointless discussions of reasoning will not answer these questions. Man has done his best to answer the questions of his mind and to fill the void of his heart with the conclusions formed by his deductive reasoning to no avail. His heart is still empty and his questions are unanswered. They're as unanswered today as they have ever been. How many could agree? But the day of awakening is coming in demonstration and power. I believe we're getting closer and closer to the last days. 
One thing we're talking about today, and it's funny you get all of pastors together, we have all little different viewpoints, little different perspectives a little bit, but one thing we agree on, this book has an ending. There's an ending in the book. And we're getting closer to that, and the more you look at current events and stuff, there, there's some amazing things happening. I, I really think, me personally, I, I really think there, there's a lot that the rise of, of what we're seeing with Islam globally has a lot to do uh, with end-time events and that. And there's just, I don't want to really sidetrack or sidebar too much here, but there's a lot happening. I, I sent John Muncie a, a text last week and because I, I was reading in Revelation 20 and verse 4, and it's interesting, and I, I like his study and the way he breaks it down. And really most of, of uh, when you go through... Uh, the major prophets, and you read, especially in Daniel and these areas, you read about the Antichrist and you read the connection there that predominantly he looks to be a man out of Assyria or out of Syria, out of that region. And it's interesting in Revelation 20 and verse 4 when it talks about the saints who come out of the tribulation, if those who have been beheaded, and part, one thing the Antichrist sets up is a religion. It's interesting, the only religion on earth right now that beheads people for not accepting them is Islam. So there, it could be that there's a, a tie there, not that it is, or that becomes the one world religion, but one thing that Islam wants is that everybody accepts or they're killed you, you, they, you, to annihilate. So the part of that concept is there, a kind of a, that antichrist. Are you with me? But we're seeing this infusion, and then we're seeing in America, we're just, we're not understanding. One thing that Khadijah uh, is trying to get across in sharing with people is that when it comes to Muslim people, you're not against Muslim people, but Islam, the spirit behind Islam, is the, is, is the adversary, not people, because there are many people who are born, you know, the people in America will say, hey, I'm, I'm an American, I'm a Christian. No, you're not. You were born in a nation that, that, that has a lot of Christianity in a lot of people. Just because you're born here doesn't make you a Christian. Just because people are born in a Muslim country doesn't mean they're a practicing Muslim in that respect. And they're wonderful people. And so we have to make sure that we distinguish between people and between the true adversary. You understand that? And so, and with that, but there, there has to be discernment. But I, I believe there's a day of awakening and a day of demonstration that is coming, and it's coming with power. I believe that we're living on the edge of the great awakening of the sleeping giant. Because we, we have mega churches, but we have zero influence. We've got a lot of people going to church, but we're not having any influence in our culture. We're just not. So there has to be a demonstration. See, in the book of Acts, it says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here. And when there were revivals, cultures were changed. Communities were changed. The atmosphere of that day in that region was changed. Are you with me? So you go back and read in the history of revivals and righteousness began to prevail. So we have lots of attendance, but we don't have much influence. I believe that we're living that age of the great awakening of the sleeping giant, the body of Christ. God is calling us forth from the tomb of religious piety and pretense into a walk of power and demonstration. I believe God wants us to walk in power and in demonstration. Would you agree? 
So as surely as he called Lazarus forth from the tomb, he's calling us out of the tomb of a dead religious experience and existence into the fullness of his life and purpose. Now, I want every one of us should hear this because every one of us has God's promise of his anointing upon our life. This is the greatest day for the church to come to life. A lot of stuff going on in our world today. We all want about, but this is the greatest day for the church to come alive. But it's going to come alive in you and me. Amen. It's going to happen through us individually when we believe that and we begin to rise up in it. The greatest day of the church is today, and it's for us to come alive. It's a time for us to come out of our ark of safety and to walk upon the land in demonstration and power of the Spirit once again. Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus said, After the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. Amen? Now, let's just go over in the book of Revelation and see what happens in another case where that's given. Go to Revelation chapter 11. Book of Revelation, the 11th chapter. And as the woes begin to be poured out, the second woe is given, and in the book of Revelation, we have the two witnesses. Now watch what happens here. Very similar, but we're going to see there's a distinction here. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city underfoot, for 42 months, <clears throat> or for three and a half years. Now watch. And I will give, what? Power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth, or three and a half years. Now, the Jewish calendar is 360 days. We have 365, but theirs is 360 days. So if you divide 1,260 uh, 1, days by 360, you come up with three and a half years. Now what? These are the two olive trees and the two lampstand standing before the God of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth to devour their enemies. Oh, no, this is a crazy time. Amen. Now, you, I want you to get this. These are literally two witnesses. These are two men that are going to walk the earth for three and a half years. And the place they're going to be walking is in the holy city, in, in the region of Jerusalem. But the Gentiles are going to be treading over it, or the Antichrist is the rule, and there's a reign in there. In the middle of that reign, that they, they're just going to be prophesying the word of the Lord and declaring the word that God's going to have two witnesses in the earth, not the church as a witness. This isn't the church. These are two men. Are you with me? And, and that's a distinct that you get because many people, when we get into eschatology, everybody tries to get the church in the book of Revelation after chapter 4. We're just not there. Everything is in Israel. Everything is with the body of Christ. So in this area, so these two witnesses are there. And they have power, watch this, and, and fire goes out from their mouth. 
and uh, devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner, or another just consumed by fire. They have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Or they're declaring the judgment of God. It's amazing when you read the plagues and jump that all these things are going on and people just keep blaspheming God. Nobody repent. And, and it's very similar to today. If you watch everything happening today, especially in our nation, and, and catastrophe after catastrophe, and, and then all we do is say, we, we just kind of curse God the same way. Now when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which, is, which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Where was Jesus crucified? In Jerusalem. So on the hill, Golgotha outside. So we see this is taken care of there. But, but here God gives His witnesses power. And it's the same power that we have. As God's went, God is trying to raise us up as his, his witnesses in this day. This is our day to be His witness. And God is trying to wake the church up. That's one thing our pastors were saying today. And one reason I'm preaching this night, that I'm sitting there with a group of pastors right here in our county and their belief. Our Anglican friend, he says, man, he's been talking to uh, uh, different pastors in, in their realm. And there's one guy they, they have a, uh, on September 9th, they want to have a, a meeting with us. We'll have that information in there also, but Friday night, September 9th, they, they, they're inviting us to join with them in fellowship for a healing service. And uh, so it's cool when our Anglican friends want to get together and believe God for miracles. Amen. I love this stuff. And uh, so anyway, but they said that, that they're believing and some of their leaders said that believe we're in a new age of a new reformation that's rising up. And Reformation was really restoration, breaking out of religious form and religious tradition and declaring the truth of God's word once again, breaking out of that caste or, or that oppression that had been put upon God's people. And so here these people come now, what? And uh, it says they're there three and a half days and allow their bodies not to be put into grave. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet, and great fear fell on all those who saw them. How many know that'd be a trip? Yeah. They're mocking them, and after three and a half days, they get up. This is going to be awesome, man. And, 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 and then I get people who say, well, you know, the, the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled. I said, I didn't, didn't, that's not anywhere happened yet. There's no history about that yet. Are you with me? All right. So, and what? So they rise up again, and they heard. Now, I love this. And they heard, the two witnesses, heard a loud voice from heaven saying what? Come up. Come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. Or they got a two-man rapture. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Come on, we still believe in the rapture. Amen? Yeah. If you don't, you stay here and tell me how all this goes. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. So in the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell, and the earthquake 7,000 men were killed. A tenth of Jerusalem has collapsed. 7,000 men are killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe comes quickly. Wow. Look back at your outline. So we're supposed to be people that have power in our witness. Walking with God in such a way 
that we are daily aware of His presence in our lives is to be our goal. In other words, to actually know Him. Amen. I preached for for Stephen and Portia this Sunday morning, and I preached on the woman at the well and a witness and a harvest, what God has for their life. But Jesus said to the woman, if you knew the gift of God, God wants us not just to know about Him, but to literally to know Him. Come on, guys, when we know Him, we will know that He wants us to walk in power with Him. Genesis chapter 5, we won't read it, verses 21 through 24. We know that in His generation, that Enoch walked with God. Just one man. And many times God only has one person walking with him. That'd be different. You know, Abraham what was there. He was a man of right. Noah, uh, Noah was a man of righteousness. Job was a man of right. But Enoch, out of everybody, Enoch walked with God. And then one day he just was no more. The Lord took him. So Enoch gets raptured up. Into, people say, well, rapture's not in the Bible. We're sure a lot of people are just going up. Amen. And, and so at a time, God, God just can, can take people up. Elisha, walking with God, and then God takes him up. So, I mean, anyway, I don't want to just preach on the rapture, but I need to do a message on that. Praise the Lord. Amen. So watch this. Watch this. And so, but it's going to take in our day, it's going to take a new level of discernment on the part of the believer. We have to sharpen our senses and our awareness to what is going on around us. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4, 5 and verse 14 says, Meat belongs to those who are of full age, who have their senses exercised. Chapter 5, verse 14. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We have to be a people of discernment. A people who walk in discernment. Amen. Sons of Issachar were men of understanding who understood the times that they were in and they knew what to do. Amen. And we need to be a people of discernment and of understanding, especially if ever before in this day, we need to be a people of discernment. I am just amazed at how stupid people in America are. I mean, I, 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 the, the, this election season is just amazing to me. Because, yeah, I, I think Donald Trump is a loose cannon when he opens his mouth and talks. I, I, in fact, back in February, I, I wrote it out and I, and, and I said, I think Trump will falter just by his own gaffes. It's been my thing. And if, 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 if he's one of those guys, he's like a lot of Christians. If you just get them to shut up, life goes a lot better. Because many times, the fruit of our lips... What we say. He's having more trouble by what he said than over his policies. And so just who he, but he's not a politician. And but but here's what's happening. People are so upset by what he's saying and they're not concerned at all about what Hillary's doing. Yeah. He's saying, but she has been doing. And people have no problem with what she is doing or has done, but they're mad at him because of what he said. Come on, that's not discernment. That's not wisdom. And so we have to make sure. And so then when you listen to what he's saying, okay, this is our policy, this is our platform, this is what we want to do. His speech yesterday on, on security and stuff and what we need to do in vetting and trying to protect us and, and, and secure uh, and, and dealing with, with, with the, the thing. It, it was solid stuff. His stuff on taxes and stuff and generating the, the economy. And it's good stuff. The other stuff he said after that, just it, anyway, moving back. But, but 
So, so he's saying something to upset people, but she is literally has been doing this stuff. And, 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 and people just walk away and you go, where is the discernment in this? We have to take a new level of discernment. It's going to take a new level on the part of the believer. We have to sharpen our senses and our awareness to what is going on around us. Amen? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And then you it's not even there. Every now and then I listen to people preaching stuff and, and you hear thinking, wait a minute, that's not you. We're just making stuff up. You can't take the Bible and make it say that. That's not in the Bible. Are you with me? So look what it says about Hebrews. I mean, not, not uh, Hebrews, uh, Ephesians 4. Sorry. Did I say that? Did I say Hebrews 4? All right. Well, don't listen to me. Look at your notes. That's why I put it in the notes so you'd know where I'm going. Ephesians 4. I have to look at my own notes to know where I'm going. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, the gifts are given to men, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, and watch it, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, or into the fullness of Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of what? Christ. That we become complete, full, mature in Him, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness and by which they lie in wait to what? To deceive. So, not everybody that preaches preaches for truth. Many people preach for deception purposes. Amen. Doing all right? So we have to make sure that, that we are a people of discernment. First John, John says, hey, you don't need anybody to tell you the Holy Spirit teaches you what is true. So learning to walk in relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important for the day and the hour that we live. I wish the whole church was here tonight. Yeah. Amen. Now listen to that. But that's the same thing. What? That's the same thing. People, I, I read a statistic today. We have a magazine that, that the Assembly of God puts out. People go to church. They have, you, guys are the, you guys are the above normal. But the average person, believer, goes to church 1.7 times a month. 1.7. Dave Cook goes, I know what that 0.7 is. He says, that's at a quarter to 12 in my message when they go. And they check out three quarters of the way through that second day at church. Amen. <laughs> that was awesome. Amen. So, but what's happened is, is that many of us and, and some of you, we grew up where you went to church when the doors were open. We did church, and, and you heard the word. We wanted to be, we wanted to be in Bible study. We wanted to be in home group. We wanted to be in fellowship. We, we wanted to be in different things and doing this, and there were women's groups and men's groups and this group and that group. We were part of this and doing this and working with everything, and we were just in. And, and so our life was, was in God and around the things of God. But today, that, that's all changed, and life is more important than relationship with God. But that's just where we need this discernment. So let me ask you this question. Are we called to debate or to demonstrate? See, I get caught up in debating with people a lot of times. And it's easy to do. But we're not called to debate with people. We're called to demonstrate. 
God says this, I don't debate my existence with man. God's never had a debate with anybody. Amen. Right. Hey That's why I love the book of Job. The, the last time God debated, le- re- read the book of Job. Amen. They're all talking about God. God says, okay, stand up, Job, gird yourself like a man. I'm going to ask you a question. I forget how many questions it is. It's, it's amazing. Amen. It's three chapters God goes off. He goes, tell me how I did this. Tell me how I did that. Tell me how I did And God just talked about the stuff that he did. And, he, and he's not debating it. He said, I did this. You tell me how. Tell, tell, God said, tell me this. So every time we go to the ocean and, and we go on vacation, I stand there or we go just visit or something. I look at the ocean and you're thinking, okay. So we have what? Louisiana's flooding. I mean, huge flood in Louisiana right now. You know what? The ocean's not getting any fuller. God said, I said to the ocean, go this far and no further. Yet all this water is continually running into the ocean. How come the ocean never overflows? Because God said, I said to the ocean, go, well, the ice is melting. We're going to, you know, we're all going to be swallowed. No, God said to the ocean, go this far and no further. All right. And God says, how come? How's that work? Just one thing. Because he said so. Are you doing all right? And so with that, it's so, so God doesn't debate. He just demonstrates. That's always been his response to the questions of man. God has never debated with man over his existence, but he has demonstrated his existence by his power. Every question to God by man on his existence has been answered by a demonstration. He is not afraid to be seen. Amen. And we can't be embarrassed to make him seen. He will reason with man, but he will not debate with him. Isaiah 1.18, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Job 38-42, through through God reasoned with Job, but he did not debate with Job. God does not prove who he is. He does not come to prove who he is, but to show who he is. Amen. That's why Jesus said, if you don't believe me for my words, believe me for the work's sake. I'll show you. Amen? So God has always done that. Jesus settled arguments with demonstration of his power, his love and power. He loved the woman at the well just as she was. The woman caught in adultery, he did not condemn. He healed healed the lepers at the sign of his will. He healed the withered hand to end the debate of what was right to do on the Sabbath. Is it right to heal on the Sabbath? He said to me, stretch forth your hand. Amen? I love it. He healed the woman who had been bound for 18 years by the devil on the Sabbath because it was right. John 14, 11, 11, as I said, he said, believe me for the work's sake. We are to know him and to show him to our world as well. The book of Acts is the record of the actions of the apostles and disciples, not a catalog of their apologetics. It is the book of Acts, and it is still being written today. There are to be Acts 
and demonstrations of His power flowing through each and every one of our lives. Last week I touched about being touched to touch another and the gifts and the grace of God that is upon your life in you to flow to others. We need to stir that up. But that means personally, I can't stir it up. There has to come a hunger and a desire. And I'm telling you today, one thing that we brought up in our conversation today with the pastors, and I said this to him, one thing that's alarming, that is detrimental to us today, is we have never had more voices available to us today, uh, to, to, to humanity, than we do today. People, almost everybody walks with a voice in their hand. Almost everybody. It has become, and, and getting down to a lower, 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 lower. Now, my, my, my son always said that, that uh, his, uh, Brian said that, that their, his nephew is starting in preschool, and all the kids in preschool have their own iPads. And so we have kids, and, and so when you put those devices in our hand, there are so many, we are connected to so many voices. And all word is seed. Words are seeds. And we hear more words than we hear the word. And so if we're not careful, we lose our discernment. Are you with me tonight? It is so important. We have to limit our voices down and keep shrinking them down. Think about it. We are to know Him and to show Him. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. You doing all right? See, it just, uh, listen, it's not a matter about everybody else. That when we get to heaven on that day, when we stand before the Lord, you know who He's going to talk to us about? Us. It's going to be one-on-one with the Lord. It's not going to be anybody else. You're not going to have a group time with God. You're not going to be able to blame the church. You're not going to be able to blame the past. It's not going to be anybody's accountability but yours. There's a day when every man stands before God and gives an account for the works done in this life. We're We're not preaching on that anymore. And so we're just living... Free. We're the sophisticated hippie generation. Hey there. And so in that, but there is an accountability. Acts chapter 4 and beginning, if you would, with me in verse 5. Watch this. Acts 4 and verse 5. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers and the elders and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst of them, they asked, by what power or what name have you done this? Healed this lame man. By what power or what name have you done this? Then Peter filled. Everybody say filled. And Peter, well, I thought he got filled on the day of Pentecost. Well, he did, but he just got filled again. But then the, the Holy Ghost, the fullness of the Holy Spirit rising up in him. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, 
said to them, rulers and people, and, and people, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for the good deed done to the helpless man by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands here before you whole, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief stone, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I said it two weeks ago when I was preaching on the gospel of 1 John, on the epistle of John. The trouble we have with the Bible is it's absolute. Yes. There's no other name. There's no other way. Just that. And, this bold. and so in the day of discernment, we have to live in this day of awakening and discernment and be the demonstration and his power in the earth. Would you agree? Amen. So let me ask you, could it be that we've reduced God to a lifestyle concept? Instead of revealing him as a life-changing force, Peter said, just Jesus in his name, through his, by his name, and through faith in his name, has made this man perfectly whole. Amen. Amen. Come on, that's a life-changing force. Not just a concept. That's force. That's life. That's what we're called to live by. Amen. See, the gospel is supposed to be show them and then tell them. Jesus called his, his disciples together and he gave them power and authority and he said, go heal the sick and then tell them. But see, what we've done today is we've come up with all the ways for the believer to get healed. Well, the believer is supposed to walk in health and minister healing. We kind of got it backwards, Amen. And so we have books on the seven steps to this and eight ways to that and nine ways to this and three things for that. And that's cool. That's all good. I like it all. I read it all. I preach it all. Amen. But somewhere along the line, we should be demonstrated some of it. We should be giving some away. And so that's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, these signs follow these signs. Everybody say signs. signs. Follow them. Yeah, follow them. That, believe. that believe. Are you a believer? believer yeah. Signs should follow you. What kind of sign? Well, it starts out, they will, everybody say, they will, lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover it. Well, I don't believe that's for today. No, then, amen. Said they will, everybody, they will. Well, you know, pastor. No, I don't know. I know the Bible says. But see, an awakening gets where you go, you know what? I'm going to believe God. The Bible says, let God be true. Let God be true and every man a liar. So if God says it, something amazing happens when men and women choose to believe God. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. When it was contrary to everything of natural reasoning, he believed God. And you and I live in the greatest day of reasoning. We live in the highest age of academia and of knowledge and technology and everything else. But faith 
operates in a realm that has nothing to do with knowledge. It has to do with believing God and standing on His Word and seeing His Word come to pass and break through the reasoning of men with miraculous power. Woo! Amen! But He just needs a handful of people to believe it and to do it. If a man, if men would search for him with the same ardent zeal with which he is searching for intelligent life in space and in the universe, he would find him. He said, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me in your spare time. When you have a few minutes. When you just do a 30-second devotional. With all your heart. Amen. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. See, it's time for us to be living where we've only been visiting. Now watch this. I'll just throw it to you. See, I, th- I think about I, I think I'm half a bubble off. Because I think different from a lot of people in that. But we keep wanting to go to places where God is in manifestation instead of believing He can be in manifestation where we are. Well, they're having a great meeting. I need to go over there and be in that meeting because God's in manifestation there. Well, He would be in manifestation here if you were believing what they're believing there. But if you go there with what you're believing here, you may not partake of what they're partaking of there. That's what I mean. I'm just half a bubble off, so I think differently. Amen. But what if we just believed? See, in Topeka, Kansas, there were just a group of a few college students who got together and said, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having an outpouring there, but when we think it's there or we have to go there, we're robbing ourselves here. And so we always think I have to go to get it when it's here. Amen. This, is, this is your moment. This is where God wants to be manifest here, and He wants to be manifest through you. He pour out His Spirit upon all people. He's no respecter of person. He'll honor your faith the same way He'll honor anybody else's faith. By faith. Amen. Amen. We can receive. Are you with me? Come Come on. If we just stirred up our faith and walk back in that, jump back in, we could see it here. It's time for us to be living where we've only been visiting in His presence. A.W. Tozier wrote this in the 60s, and I love when I read these things, so I put it in here tonight, watch it. The tragic result in, in his book, The Pursuit of God, he said the tragic results of settling for less is described as follows. We end up with shallow lives, hollow religious philosophies, the preponderance of an element of fun in our gospel media, the glorification of men, trust in religious externalities, if that's a word, I think it's a... Anyway, quasi-religious fellowship, salesmanship method, and the mistaking of dynamic personality for the power of the Holy Spirit. These are the symptoms of an evil disease deep within the soul. 
For this great sickness that is upon us, no one person is responsible and no Christian is wholly free from blame. We have all contributed directly or indirectly to this sad state of affairs. We have been too blind to see, too timid to speak, and too self-satisfied to desire anything better than the poor average diet with which others appear satisfied. Wow, what a statement. To put it differently, get this, we've accepted one another's notions, copied one another's lives, made one another's experience a model for our own, and for more than a generation, the trend has been downward, and we have reached the low place of barrenness. Worst of all, we have made the word of truth conform to our experience and accepted this low plane as the very pasture of the blessed. My goodness. How about you? That stirs me up. I don't want to live there. Amen? It will require a determined heart more than a little, and more than a little courage to wrench ourselves loose from the grip of our times and return to the Bible way. But it can be done. Amen? Come on, we're living in a day and an age that if some believer, if we just start ourselves up as believers, just some Bible school student, let's, let's, let's seek God, let's get together and pray and seek God and find out about the Holy Spirit. And just a group of young believers got together and then God answered their quest and poured His Spirit out upon them in Topeka, Kansas. And then from there, it spread all the way out to California, to Azusa. And every time there's been people who just did this, they broke out. Every generation goes through it. It's just a cycle. Go back and read the book of Judges. Why is the book of Judges in the Bible? Why do we have the Old Testament? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, all these things were written as an example to us. So when we read about Israel, what they went through, so they went through these cycles with the judges they get to a place and after so many years they get back integrated with the world and then they get under so much oppression they would cry out for deliverance God would raise up a deliverer and then they would walk in that for a season and then the judge would die the deliverer would die and then they would gradually ease back in and they go through judge after judge after judge cycle after cycle after cycle and it hasn't changed with humanity just because we think we're smarter. Our hearts are still. So somewhere, that's why I said, we shake ourselves. Say, God, I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to be a person of a sermon. I, I want to see God work through my life. I want to believe God. I want to be, be a Bible believer. I remember years ago, I heard Norville Hayes, he was preaching a meeting, Norville Hayes said this, he said, everybody hold your hands up. He said, hold your arms up like that. He says, what's at the end of your arm? Everybody goes, hand. He says, you know what those are for? What? Putting on sick people. <laughs> Go put them on sick people. Well, be, because what happened... See, these signs follow them that believe. Not in your ability. See, you think because it's your hands... That it's going to take your ability. It's not your ability. It's the anointing of God. You're anointed by God. You're equipped by God. You're the anointed of the Most High. God wants to manifest Himself. He's everywhere present, but He's only everywhere manifest where He can stir up His people to believe. If I will believe, He will stretch forth His hand to heal through my hand. Hallelujah. 
That's what the apostles prayed. They said, Lord, stretch forth your hand to heal in Acts 4. And it says that they began doing mighty signs. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Ghost, the same Holy Spirit. He hasn't changed. And so that's why this is the age of discernment and awakening. Jacob said, man, God is in this place. Come on, God is in your house. He is in your life. He is in this place. And if we wake up, we are living daily at Bethel. Yes. Amen. And we can live in the power of God. Amen. So think about it. But it takes, as Tozer said, a required, it will require a determined heart and more than a little courage to wrench ourselves loose from the grasp of our times and return to the Bible. I'm telling you, this is the greatest age of deception, one of the greatest ages of deception. Yeah. It's like the dark age is surrounded in good lighting. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's crazy time. I, I can't comprehend. I can't, com- watch. I can't comprehend that our president has just mandated that every public school must have gender-neutral bathrooms. Every every public school in America must allow transgender students to go into any bathroom of their choice. And everybody's just going on with life. Amen. Now watch this, watch this. The Bible says that Lot vexed his soul by what he saw and he heard daily. Righteous Lot vexed himself by what he saw and he heard daily. And it's no different with that. Living in the middle of Sodom and Gomorrah. And really not now watch, Lot at that point, get, get this, Lot living there, you got the angels of God in your house. Yeah. You know these are, he knows. He, knows he takes them in. And then you got people so demon possessed with perverseness that they're scratching at the door beating at your door, send those men out so we can molest them and have our way with them. And Lot goes, do them no harm. And Lot goes, oh no, they're holy. They, these are, don't, don't touch them. They're holy. Take my daughters. Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? And what I'm saying, the day and the hour, God, I'm saying church, wake up. Come on, wake up. Yeah. We're living an amazing day. And, th- and so what he did, he just offered up a compromise with the devil. And then the angels go, no, you don't have to give your daughter. They go out and smite them all with blindness. And then they're bl- and they keep groping at the door all night. It's, cra- it's crazy. Our, our world has gone crazy. And so you and I individually... I'm going to go back. We're all going to stand before God. We can't blame anybody. I can't pass it off. It's not somebody else. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. We have to stand up as a pastor. I, I, I can't care if I run everybody off preaching the truth. Amen. 
You understand that? I, I, I can't be concerned about that. But we have to declare. You can't, you can't care if you lose all your friends. You can't care if your family gets mad at you. You can't, you, you can't be concerned. You can't compromise. That's right. Doing all right? Okay, I know I'm not making friends. I'll get back to the message. Okay, now what? So what? It's time for us once again to become aware of the universal presence of God in our life. Jacob said, Surely... The presence of the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Hear me as I close. No longer can we afford to be ashamed of the truth and intimidated by the lie. I'm sick and tired of people telling me separation of church and state. I'm tired of that stuff. We have people tell us that. When we, we have people try to tell us when we were working at the golf tournament. When we worked at the golf tournament back, back in from 98 to, to 2002 for those four years, we, the, the people, they, they, they asked me to do a service on the 18th green, on the Sunday morning, the last day of the tournament, they wanted us to kneel, uh, Armstrong, uh, trying to think of his last name, can't think of his last name, first name Neil, but right now, um, and he said, Pastor Don, do a service, you can do a, 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 a church service. We took our band out there, and we did it on the 18th green of a PGA tournament, senior PGA tournament, we get to do it. Players come out, and stuff. it was awesome. People were in the stands, they advertised and stuff, and some of the people are going, uh, separate. There, we're supposed to be. I thought there was separation of church. I said, "This isn't a state. This is a golf tournament." Yeah. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> had nothing to do with your state. This is a golf tournament. <laughs> this is recreation. It's not separation of church and recreation. All right. <laughs> But, 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 but see, they say that, and they go, oh, no. And people get intimidated, and you shut up, you back off. And so the devil always comes to push and intimidate. Go, hey, no, and you just have to stand. Amen? That's right. And so it's awesome, but you just have to not be ashamed of the truth and intimidated by the lie. The world, I, I wrote this, the world's been put up by the phony displays of charlatans who have learned how to prey upon the emotions of men and build for themselves little kingdoms that they call God. But God is creating a stir, a hunger, and desire. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this is what's happening right now. I believe God is creating a stir, a hunger, and a desire in His people for him. This will be a movement that will not be led by the charlatans and pretenders, but by his spirit. Come on, how many believe in the last day there's going to be a revival? I want to be a part of that revival. I want to be a part of that gathering in. This will be a new purity of Pentecostal power that will not be plagiarized by performers looking only to draw attention to themselves. It will be, the, it will be flowing through true believers who are desirous to see the lost come to Christ and to truly know him. Men and women who will once again say with the boldness of the Spirit, look at us and no longer be ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. I believe a demonstration is at hand. And I'm preaching to you prophetically tonight, declaring this. It's a time, it is time to walk with God in the fullness of His presence. It's time to know Him and to make Him known by more than just our work. Earlier this summer, we started Where's Frank campaign. I still want you to stay with Where's Frank? Your friend, your relatives, your acquaintances, your neighbor, your kid's friend. Come on, if we believe, God wants you to be a demonstration of somebody. The Lord is still the Lord of the harvest. I was excited. Pastor Eric Butler comes all the way out from New Jersey. I'm preaching on the woman at the well 
on Sunday morning. I'm telling the church that God wants you. He's coming to you. He's reaching you. He wants you to reach this city. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of inquiry. Pastor Butler gets up in, in the front. First statement of, uh, of my message Sunday morning is, if, how many of you, if you knew the will of God, said you would do the will of God? Amen. If you knew the will of God, you'd do the will of God. How many of you? Yes. If you knew God's will, you would do it. Yes. You know what his will is for your life? People. God's will is people. He's the Lord of the harvest. God cares about people. So that's the first statement in my message Sunday morning. Pastor Eric Butler gets up. He says, hey, you know what God is into and we need to get back to people. So he I'm here from Diamond Spring. I go to San Leandro. He comes from New Jersey, comes into the same church in the evening, has no idea what I said, but says the same thing to that congregation. I'm telling you, this is the day when God is trying to speak to his church. He's trying to speak to our church right here. I don't care if the whole church is here or not. You're here, and you're the ones that are hearing this, and God's going to require something at your hands. Amen. And so we rise up. God is looking for people who will do it. It's time to know him and to make him known more than just our word. It's time for us to hunger for the truth and live for it with all we have. No longer let others define our life by their experience and the limits of their awareness and understanding. It's time for the reality of Jacob and the walk of Enoch. What does that mean? Be aware that you're in Bethel. And then walk with God. Walk with God. Just walk with God. Amen. Sometimes feel like you're walking all alone. Walk anyway. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Lord, I pray over those that are here tonight. Father, you knew 